So my friends, today the church celebrates the seventh Sunday of Easter. It's also the Sunday in between the Ascension of our Lord and uh, Pentecost, which we'll celebrate next week. And we're in the middle of what's called the Great Novena, where we, with the church throughout the world, are praying for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Today, uh, in our Gospel, uh, you know, John's Gospel, John is sometimes referred to as the theologian. Uh, that John's gospel is very theologically rich. And part of, historically, when John was writing his gospel, was he was not intending to give a a historical narrative in the same way as Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. Those gospels would have already been in circulation by the time that John wrote. Um, But rather, John is trying to get at the deeper uh, understanding of who the person of Jesus Christ is. And that's why so often in John's gospel, um, there's these beautiful scenes where Jesus is conversing with someone and it's just, you know, it's like a one-on-one thing and you can almost get lost. The background fades away and it's this one-on-one encounter. And that John is narrating for us just the magnetism of this man um, who at the very word, follow me, people will just give up everything and follow him. Uh, and when we read John's God, you know, if we ever, if we feel our faith is becoming a little too... Um, just we're just going through the motions and it's just a little bit too much um kind of i know the truth um but that it's it's become too external we should go read john's gospel like that's what john's gospel is for to bring us deeper into the mystery of who this man was uh this man who is also god and john is uh therefore referred to as the theologian because he relates so many of jesus words that uh, express the depth of who our Lord is, and particularly in the Last Supper discourse, which in our daily readings we've been reading uh, for the last few weeks, uh, the depth of this theology is really on display. And so our Lord um, is talking about his relationship to the Father. And I mean, that's it. That's, <laughs> that's the ballgame from all eternity, right? The relationship between Father and Son. Like, that. that is... Yeah, that's it. Uh, that, that's it. You know, this beautiful to contemplate the relationship between the Father and the Son. The Father who gives everything to the Son. The Son who receives everything from the Father and gives everything back. And the bond of love between them, which is so strong, um, which is so perfect. It's another person, um, the Holy Spirit. This intertrinitarian love which is a mystery. Uh, actually, we're going to have Trinity Sunday in two weeks. Who knows if there'll be people here by then or not, but whatever, however it goes. Um, the, this Trinitarian mystery, which surpasses uh, the, the range of our reason, that it's something we can never ultimately comprehend um, fully all the way around, but we can rather just gaze in wonder. And that is uh, what we'll be doing for all of eternity to gaze and wonder and participate in the Trinitarian life. The Son is sent by the Father. The Son is sent by the Father to us, um, to make the Father known to us. And that Jesus makes the Father known not just by his words, like a prophet, where he's just telling us something about the Father, um, but our Lord, the Son, makes the Father known in his very person that the actions of our Lord reveal the love and the mercy of the Father, 
that the actions of our Lord um, and his care for us, the way that he forms the church, the way he acts with authority and teaches with authority, his care for the poor and the vulnerable, um, that all of this shows forth who the Father is, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that this is so fundamental to our faith. And that the Son doesn't glorify himself. This is one of the the main parts of our reading today. That the Son doesn't glorify himself, but he glorifies the Father. You know, there's something very base and uh, disturbing about somebody who just glorifies themselves. And that if we are to imitate the Son, uh, that we should never glorify ourselves. Uh, We should always glorify the Father. The Son always points back to the Father. And all glory he has, he receives from the Father. And when we try to glorify ourselves, um, when we try to have people's attention drawn to us, that we are um, not acting as our Lord did, and we don't deserve the name Christian, um, because we don't act as the Christ did, when we glorify ourselves, when we point to ourselves... And this is a particular flaw in ministry. When ministry becomes about me and not about the Father. Glorify the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, it is in the Mass itself. um, One of my favorite, of all the prayers of the Mass, one of my favorite uh, points of the Mass that I often like to come back to is the final doxology at the conclusion of the Eucharistic prayer. And whatever Eucharistic prayer we use, it's the conclusion that doxology is always the same. Through him, through the Son, through Christ, through him, with him, and in him. O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Like that, sometimes because we say it at every Mass, can be thought of as just a throwaway line. But that is an act of religion, right? That's an act of the virtue of religion. That is us giving voice to him when we say or sing amen to that. That has to be strong. That is, we are committing an act of religion because we are a, we're saying amen. And the priest and the person of Christ is saying this and performing this true act of religion. Because this is what's true. Regardless of anything else going on in the world, this is ultimately truth. And on every altar, at every Mass, truth is regrounded. No matter what lies we're living in, in our realities, no matter what fake news we buy into in the world, ultimately, every Mass, at that line, Through him, with him, and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. If we, even if we're not able to be physically present at the Mass, that that is, we should unite ourselves to that prayer. If all glory and honor is the Father's, through, with, and in the Son, and the unity of the Holy Spirit, well, then it's not primarily mine. And when I try to snatch it away for myself, that line of the Mass corrects all of those errant tendencies. And when in every sin we try to take glory for ourselves 
in some wrong-headed way, that line of the Mass rightly orders us. It rebinds us to the true order of creation. All glory and honor belongs to the Father, through, with, and in the Son, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. This is um, the reality of Catholic worship. Then, though, we need to be rightly grounded. Then it's important for us to take that center of gravity reestablished in the Mass and bring that out into the world. That having been rightly ordered in the liturgy, we now have to go into the world reestablishing the right order of things in our families, among our friends, with our co-workers, in any of our interactions, that we, right, being rightly ordered, become like a new center of gravity around which other things can turn. Our Lord says, I will no longer be in the world, but they are in the world, while I am coming to you. Just think about that. Like, what our Lord did while he was in the world, he's giving that to us to do. And as his church, that's our mission. To now, while we are the church militant, the church working in the world, we have to now be in the world as alter Christus, other Christ. That's our call now to be in the world rightly ordered, giving all glory and honor to the Father, going out into the world and and restoring the right order of all creation. It's not enough to say our Lord ascended to heaven, he's gone, he'll be back again one day, and so until then we'll just hang on. Like, that's not it at all. We have to bring him into the world as members of his mystical body. I I will no longer be in the world, but they are in the world. And so that's our call, that we should... um, go forth into the world in mission, uh, that we should bring the presence of Christ. Now, if we're going to bring the presence of Christ into the world, if we're going to be Christ in the world, we're going to suffer. Christ suffered. He uh, was rejected. He was ultimately put to death. Um, St. Peter tells us, whoever is made to suffer as a Christian should not be ashamed. But glorify God because of the name. That's the name of Christ. That when we're in the world, we're going to be rejected. If we actually try to reestablish the right order of things, and if we live that right order of things, people are going to reject us. And those that want the center of gravity to be around power and pleasure and wealth and their own honor, they're going to reject us. And they will persecute us, and at times it may even call for us to lay down our lives in witness to our Lord. We shouldn't be shocked that we suffer for being Christians. We shouldn't be shocked when the world rejects us, when our message is rejected, when it's ridiculed, scorned, uh, when it's met with hatred and even at times violence. That shouldn't shock us at all. No disciple is greater than his master, and if they treated the master this way, that's how they'll treat the disciple. And so we need to be prepared for that. It's our, still our job. It's not like our Lord says, you know what, yeah, it's going to be rejected. Don't worry, just stay in today, because it's going to be tough. Like, no, go out there 
and get beat up. Go out there and be rejected. But in it all, we are alter Christus. And even when we suffer for the sake of our Lord, we are still reestablishing that right order because we glorify God because of our Lord, that I'm willing to suffer for being a disciple of our Lord. I'm willing to face persecution. I'm willing to face hatred and scorn and even violence. I'm willing to do that because I know that it's not ultimately my glory, which I'm seeking first and foremost, but being rightly ordered in all glory and honor belongs to the Father, through within in the Son, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Here's a final point. What enables us to do this? Are any of us strong enough to do this on our own? No. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling within us that gives us the strength. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit that allow us and enable us, empower us to act as Christ in the world. The Holy Spirit forms the image of Christ in our souls and in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to live in this way in the unity of the Holy Spirit. We have to be so united to the Holy Spirit if we're going to act for the glory of the Father through, with, and in the Son. And so we need to be praying in this time, this great novena, this praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the whole church throughout the world, that we need to pray um, constantly in this week. Here at St. Francis, we have um, different YouTube meditations going through the different days of this great prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And if you haven't started yet, it's okay. Start now. In fact, they're only about five minutes apiece. You could go catch up and then start now on the right day, right? Um, That we need to pray for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray, most importantly, following the example of the apostles. That when we pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they united themselves with one accord to prayer. Together with some women and Above all, Mary, the mother of Jesus, that we should turn to Our Lady in this time and we should be praying this great novena for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit with her. If we're just trying to make these prayers all on our own, uh, that doesn't work out so well. We should pray with Our Lady. We should be sure that we are always united in prayer with the church throughout the whole world, praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not just this week, but at all times, united with the church and the church always praying with Mary, the mother of Jesus, that we've got to stay so close to our mother and ask her uh, to pray for us and to help us in this time uh, so that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and that we can, in our lives, be Christ to the world, reestablishing that through, with, and in the Son, all glory and honor belongs to the Father and the unity of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.